Okay. So welcome again, everyone, and, and thank you so many of you for coming in early. Um, we're very excited uh, about tonight and our guest and the conversation that we're going to have. Um, tonight we will meet with Digital Nation producer um, Rachel Dredson, who will share her insights about the project and how it may impact the way that we teach and learn. Um, and it's, it's not as far away as we may think. It's in the very near future. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to uh, give everyone a little bit of an uh, overview of the dashboard. Um, I know we have several first-time users. So if you look um, at the icons, uh, I'm going to go from uh, upper left to uh, where you can raise your hand. Um, and then right across from that, and this is under the list of all the participants, you'll see an X mark and a check mark. And at some point we will be asking you yes or no questions. And you can use those icons to answer. Um, at other points, I will what you'll see there instead of a check mark and an X is a um, ABCD. So when we have multiple choice questions, you can also participate that way. Um, so we'll be hoping that this is a, a very interactive um, uh, webinar for you, and you can give us some input. Um, next to the whiteboard, there are a series of tools, and we'll use one of them here in a minute. We'll use the magic wand. Um, I'm going to ask a few questions, and uh, you'll place a dot on a map. And I have control over um, those in terms of who has uh, permission to use them and who will uh, what marks will be seen by the rest of the group. Many of you have already found the chat area and how to send a message. Um, just uh, during the webinar, please feel free to ask questions. If we don't get to them right away, we will collect them and ask them at the end during our Q&A session. Um, if there are questions regarding um, a specific point. We will also want to look in the chat area for URLs that we will post during it so that we can see. Um, and uh, any of you, anyone have any questions about setting up their audio at this point? If you're having any audio problems, and just let me know in the chat, Bev, and I'll take care of it while you're doing the introductions. That would be great. Now I see Dorothy has her hand raised. What can we do for you? Let's see. Dorothy, if you could uh, use the chat window and see, are you just um, practicing that? Okay. So here's our first little interaction here. I just wanted to get an idea of where people are from. You can click on the little wand icon and point on the map where you are. We always get such a great reaction on this because um, you'll see we're not even we're not in the same time zones and many times not on the same continent. Yeah, I'm getting an echo. So I'm not hearing that echo. I'm hearing it. Now I'm hearing myself echo. So I'm not sure why that is. Um, let's keep going and I'll try and figure it out. Okay. But I'm not hearing it. Okay. All right. Well, now we're going to um, just kind of close in and we'll do the map one more time here and take a look and see where people are on the map. It's always fun to see um, the distribution of people. And it helps us get an idea of the time zone as well. What's that big star? I don't know. Who That's put a somebody big star? really important. Somebody put a big star. It must be. All right, well, thanks, everyone. I'm going to turn this off. 
And at this point, I would like to uh, turn it over to Steve um, and Rachel. Um, as a reminder uh, to everyone, Rachel is an award-winning journalist. Rachel has been producing documentaries for Frontline since the mid-90s. She and her husband are joint partners in ARC Media, a documentary production company based in Brooklyn, New York. And together, they have produced and directed numerous award-winning documentaries for Frontline, including this Digital Nation, which you're about to see. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know Steve, Steve is our friend and, uh, and colleague and founder of Classroom 2.0 Social Network. And he is uh, very passionate about educational technology and will uh, carry on uh, the interview with Rachel. Um, before that starts, I just want to get a really, really quick um, information on how many of you are familiar already with the Digital Nation Project. And this can guide the conversation um, a little bit. So you'll click on the yes or no check mark or uh, cross respectively. Okay. Well, it looks like many are. Um, let's see. Oh, some went away. So yeah, that happened to me too. It's odd. Huh. It looks like someone <laughs> cleared the responses, so that's why the poll doesn't look correct. Yeah, I, I uh, so, wasn't able to. So go ahead and answer again. I didn't clear it, so let's see. It again? Yeah, just go ahead and answer again if you're familiar with I it. I may have done that by mistake, guys. Okay, yeah. Uh, all right. So this is a little bit better. So we are talking to a lot of people who this will be their first introduction to the Digital Nation project. And so um, I think that uh, you'll all be very excited about some of the things that uh, have been uh, going on in that. And once we talk a little bit, and then we'll show you the website. So Steve, you and Rachel can take it on over. Great. Thanks so much, Bev. Rachel, just a delight to have you here. Sandy doesn't have her mic on, but hi, Sandy. I'm glad to have you here as well. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. So uh, you and I talked uh, earlier this summer about Digital Nation specifically. Um, so some may have heard that interview and some not. But, but why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about maybe why you became interested in digital media and specifically the Internet as a topic. Sure. Um, well, I've produced um, a number of films that really look at cultural forces that are shaping the way kids grow up. Um, I did a program called Merchants of Cool that looked at marketing and its impact on kids and, and the way marketing works when it comes to kids. I did a program called Lost Children of Rockdale County that looked at a sexual outbreak, sort of sexual, um, sexually transmitted disease outbreak outside of Atlanta. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in this, in this question. And my last film for Frontline, which aired just about two and a half, two years ago, I think, was called, uh, was called I'm sorry, Growing Up Online. And the program looked at <coughs> excuse me. The program looked at the internet and its effect on the social and emotional development of adolescents. So that was my first kind of direct experience working on uh, a program on the online world. And it was after that program aired. I think that everybody felt up at Frontline that um, it was it was such a it was such a powerful experience to do and to see how many people responded to it and wanted to know more that. We at Frontline decided we needed to go further into this subject, and we decided to launch a more ambitious project, which is what Digital Nation is. So this is really kind of fun that you you get to look at something that's having an impact on individuals and families, and you obviously have your own family. Has the project uh, shaped your perceptions um, of your own family life in any ways? Oh my God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I have three kids. My kids are uh, six to eleven. I have a six-year-old, a nine-year-old, and eleven-year-old, um, almost twelve-year-old. And um, it's it's been difficult actually to separate my own personal struggles as a parent raising kids in the digital age from my experience as a journalist. And as a matter of fact, it, it's part of the reason that this film is actually um, being told. <clears throat> 
in part in the first person. I'm going to be in the film, and I'm and I talk quite a bit about my own experience as a parent in the film. My kids are in the film, so um, we decided at a certain point that it was important to um, allow for that kind of subjectivity because it would be a lie to say that it isn't a subjective experience making a, making a film like this. So that sounds very authentic to me, and I, I think in very much in harmony with a lot of the kinds of things we're seeing in Web 2.0 and, and understanding the person behind what's taking place. Have, have there been really strong connections between growing up online and Digital Nation? Have there been threads that have carried through? There have been some, and actually one of the most, the strongest threads that's carried through has actually been education. Um, we did look <clears throat> briefly at a school in Chatham, New Jersey in Growing Up Online. And um, we talked to two teachers in that school. One, it, was a, it was a pretty wired school, actually, um, public high school that had pretty much embraced the idea that they needed to meet kids where they're living online. And um, so one of the teachers that we spoke to was one of the proponents of technology and using technology in a creative way in the school. And the other teacher we spoke to had been at the school for 30 years and was really struggling. She was really feeling irrelevant um, and having a hard time figuring out how to be, um, how to communicate with her students. Um, so we thought that was a really interesting way to look at some of the gulfs in the, in the educational arena. And it really whet my appetite to go further. And so when we decided to do Digital Nation, education was one of the subjects I really wanted to pursue um, much more head on. I also, to be honest, have a have a child, my oldest child went to middle school this year, and one of the schools we were looking at very seriously was a laptop school. So I was really in the thick of it in terms of wrestling with these questions myself. So I looked at, uh, you're going to get to show us parts of the website, but um, maybe this is a good time to make a pitch because I looked at the uploaded videos in the education portion and it didn't seem as th though we had as many as I would have hoped for. So shall we make a pitch here for educators to get on the site and contribute? Are you talking about um, people sending in their own stories? Is that part of the Correct. site? Yes. Um, so let, let me tell you guys about this this aspect of our site. It's actually, I think, one of the most exciting things about the site. Um, we have a page called Your Stories, and it's basically an open call for people to submit videos, short videos um, or audio that tell their own story about digital technology in their own lives. It can be any any aspect of their lives. Um, and if you go to that page, you'll see there's some really really amazing. Their patchwork of voices on a page, and I agree, we don't have enough from educators. So I encourage you guys to submit, and also to have your students submit and families submit. Um, it's, it's just a real opportunity to to be part of this kind of bottom-up um, process. So I watched uh, a number of those videos and, and and other videos on the site. I have to tell you, and I said this when we spoke this summer, it's really hard to draw yourself out of that site once you get started because there's so much good content. Um, I, uh, I, there were several of the videos I wanted to respond to. Um, I, you know, it would be really fun at some point to be able to actually. Well, do respond. Is there a way to respond directly to somebody who's posted a video in a public forum or some form? Uh, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Is there a way to respond to the videos that people have posted? Um, that's a good question. I don't think so, but our comment system is actually going to be um, revamped from what I understand in around the time of our broadcast. So hopefully that will become more possible. There's some limits in terms of the PBS site server and what we can do in Cancer. Um, but there is an you know we've posted a lot of videos that we've shot cut cut short segments some of which are going to appear in the documentary which is going to be broadcast on February 2nd. Um, and you can respond directly to those. So I encourage you to do that. I should probably explain what the project is um, quickly. It's a it's a documentary for Frontline. Most of you are probably familiar with Frontline and the documentary is going to air on the second of February. But um, in an unusual move, what we decided to do um, for the first time, I think, is to um, launch a website a year ahead of the broadcast and to, to actually post a lot of the footage that we've shot and the interviews we've done um, on the site before the, long before the documentary was put together, both to give people a chance to respond and to allow for you know, really deep content on the site, not all of which can make it into an 81-minute documentary. So 
um, that's what we've been doing. And so in addition to the, to the user-generated media on the site, there's a ton of produced video, interviews, um, research, all sorts of, of stuff that um, I definitely encourage you guys to take a look at. The site is just terrific. Um, do you want to um, maybe mention an interview or a piece that you found personally to be really interesting? What, what, uh, what's really grabbed you as you've gone through the process? Well, there's so many things that have grabbed me. Um, it's it's hard to um, it's really hard to um, to pick one. I mean, I, I'll just tell you about my last week. Um, I flew out to um, Stanford where I interviewed Clifford Nass, who's actually a researcher looking at multitasking, and he's really examining the assumption that a lot of high multitaskers have that they are able to juggle many things at once. And he really puts that under the microscope, so to speak. And what he comes out with is, is quite disturbing. Um, he, he finds that um, it's actually those of us who do the most multitasking and think we're the best at it who actually are the worst. And he put me through one of these experiments that he does. And I scored terribly. I was absolutely tanked. And it was really um, sobering for me because increasingly, as I'm sure m many of you are experiencing this, I'm I'm doing many things at once. I'm I'm on you know the email and I'm writing something and I'm talking on the phone and I'm just constantly dealing with this stream of media and in sort of I think sort of insistent to myself that it's not hampering my productivity or my focus, my concentration, and it's in fact just the opposite. So that was really um, really surprising and somewhat chilling. And it was interesting because right after that, I went to MIT where we were shooting the opening sequence of the film and we're interviewing a lot of digital natives who have grown up multitasking, who are fervent believers that they can do it, that they can handle it. Um, so it was really interesting to contrast what they said with um, what Cliff Nass said. So Sonia, Hita, or Sonia Nita has raised her hand. Sonia, we're going to um, we're going to hold questions till the end, if that's okay. We'll have a segment for that. Appreciate that you want to respond. Please do so in the chat if you'd like at this point. But we'll do the audio questions uh, in a bit. Uh, Rachel, were there any? Have there been any things that you've discovered uh, um, in addition to the multitasking that have surprised you, or that that were not what you had thought they would be? Sure. Um, many, many things have surprised me. I'm, I feel like I'm learning every day as I'm working on this project. Um, we visited a school in New York that some of you may have heard of called Quest to Learn. It's a, it's a school for digital kids that Katie Salen um, created. Um, and uh, the school is really designed around the paradigm of video gaming. And this is a, a school that is fully supported by the New York City public school system. It is a New York City public school. It's not even a charter school. It's just part of the mainstream system. Um, and this is their first year. And it was truly amazing to visit because, the, first of all, the kids were just so engaged. I mean, engaged in a way you rarely see kids in a classroom. Um, but they were also, um, what, what really surprised me about the school, I, to be honest, I think I thought I would walk in and kids would just be on screens all the time. But in fact, the school makes a real point. Um, particularly in the in the class where the kids are learning how to design video games, to teach them to build games both in physical space and in virtual space, because they believe how they believe it's incredibly important for kids to experience both at this juncture in their lives, and not to just see the world as made up of pixels. And I thought that was a really telling um, decision on the part of the school, because I think it's one of my concerns about my own kids and about kids who are growing up largely in a digital space, that they lose touch with that kind of tangible, uh, touchable reality. Um, and I think the school is doing, doing a long, going a long way to, to making sure that doesn't happen. So part of what I really appreciate about you, Rachel, is your sort of thoughtful balance on these issues. So I, I'm expecting that we'll continue to see that kind of thoughtful balance, um, and especially are looking forward to February 2nd. So I'm now going to turn the time back to Beth because I had a hard stop at 20 minutes past the hour to keep us on time, which should then allow for Q&A at the end. So thanks, Rachel. And, and again, really delighted to have you talking about the site and the show. Thrilled to be here. Thanks so much, Steve. And we will have some questions for you as we look at very specific parts of the um, of the website. So right now, I'm just going to show um, the digital web, uh, the uh, website, and we will take a look. Just get that into 
Well, let me take you to the um, the Digital Nation homepage. And if I'm not mistaken, you are able to resize your window um, into the. Oh, I just lost it. Uh, you are able to resize your window. Uh, by resize the window to by, by dragging on the sides or on the on the top, and it will expand the window. So you're in, those of you who are listening and are seeing the window, you are in control of that window um, from the standpoint of size. And for those of you who are on the home page, I just want to turn your attention to the plea for a digital love story. We're still trying to find a really good digital love story for our film. Um, so if any of you know of anybody who has a great uh, great story to tell and is willing to tell it on camera, please. I posted one for you today, Rachel. Well, um, Not my own, but I posted uh, one I thought you might consider. Oh, great. Terrific. Oh, good. <laughs> and we will look at some of the um, some of the places that you mentioned, Rachel, where people can really have some input into the site. Um, I wanted to show a couple of video clips and have you respond to them. Um, the first one is about multitasking. So everyone, I'm going to be loading that in and playing that video. And then we'll have Rachel give us some comments. Is everyone getting that? So you'll need to click on the play button on the video in your browser. So people are, are able to control that video on their own browser. And it's a two-minute clip, so we'll let people watch it and then come back. Why don't we have people click on the smiley face when they're completed watching the video? That way we can see when a majority of people have watched it, we can um, begin talking about it. We just have a show of smiley faces as people complete the clip. I just want to make sure everybody gets a chance to. I also see put the it. link to the clip in the chat, so if you need to go back later in the chat log, you. you'll be able to uh, to watch that video again. And it's very easy to find on the site. So, Rachel, any comments on this? And and uh, was there any surprises that uh, came out of this particular production? Well, not having been on a college campus in quite a while, um, I was surprised at the discrepancy between the way the uh, teachers, the professors saw the situation and the way the kids saw the situation. Um, it may have just been that we spoke to two professors who had particularly strong opinions about this, but my sense is that it's, it's not unusual to find professors really disgruntled about the fact that their kids are looking at screens um, and doing many different things during lectures. But the other surprising thing to me, and probably even more surprising than the professors, was the students who are just completely matter-of-fact about the idea that when you're in a lecture, 
it is not at all expected that you would just be listening to the lecture. It's a time to take care of your email, your calendar, you know, other work, and to sort of tune in when the professor uh, says something that you feel like is particularly interesting or important or might be important for a test. But it's not a situation where you know, you're supposed to be really uh, focused on the entire lecture. And that's just not the way it was for me when I was in college. Um, Many years ago, um, and I just thought it was really interesting that there was just there, there was such a gulf, you know, um, and is such a gulf um, about this issue. Let me just um, let's do a quick poll about multitasking. I uh, just want to get a few opinions here, and you'll notice now instead of the X and uh, check mark, you'll see an A, B, and C, and that's where you want to answer the question. You'll see an A, B, and C right under the participant where you were previously um, finding the check mark. So I'm changing my answer back my and forth. <laughs> Well, you know what's amazing about this is how little we know um, about how our brains multitask. And that's why it was so interesting to go to Stanford um, and talk to NASS, because um, there's just very little research that's really been done about um, what happens when you're trying to multitask. And I think our perception of, of what happens is very different than the reality. So I, I went ahead and posted. We, we only had a few people that had not answered. So yeah, I think people are still very much uh, on the fence about it, and and it'll be interesting to see what drives that multitasking in the future. Is it the technology, or will people just sort of finally figure out that they can't do this based on their performance in any particular task? I think what's also interesting about this is that there's a, there are different ways to accomplish something. And um, some of what we may be losing when we're multitasking is hard to measure. Um, for example, students might be able to actually keep their grades up if they're doing their homework in front of the television set or doing their homework when they're you know, having constant chats with their friends, listening to music, and doing all the other things that students do. But is it possible that there's a kind of depth, um, memory, um, kind of analytic approach that might get sacrificed when we're learning in that way. And I think that's one of the questions that really interests me. Um, because certainly we, we can um, state over the surface of, of knowledge um, when we're doing many things at once. But how deep does that knowledge go? Good point. Um, let's take a look at this one. I think we can all relate to the whole uh, friending and Facebook and um, the part that it's going to play. Here is. Um, Here's another video clip. Well, I don't have the uh, screen up, the desktop share, so I'm wondering if you've turned desktop share off and we should turn it back on. I'm sorry, not desktop share, the web tour. Um, I would, no, I was using web tour. I think that's been turned off, so you may need to start your web tour again. Okay. So let's see here. There we go. Okay. And again, you'll need to click the play button we'll when your video the comes up. A little shorter. <laughs> and this one's about a minute and a half. And again, we'll get some some response from Rachel.
I didn't do that. Did the um, so anybody who's a moderator has the ability to close a window and it closes for everybody. So I should have told you that before, but I, it was close to the end of that video. I think. Oh, you can I go hope on. I didn't do that. Oh, that's gosh. okay. But I think we most people probably have finished the video and, and um, probably not not worth going back and watching the whole thing. I may have closed it when I finished it, not realizing that I. <clears throat> so I, I think you can probably move forward. Okay. All right. Well, um, this time let's ask a few questions of our our participants um, before the uh, comments from Rachel. So uh, let's have a, a look at these statements. Um, do we think that students could not have comprehended to kill the mockingbird with without the technology? Um, is is are digital tools are nice to have, or is the use of that technology key to improving learning um, and, and the way it's implemented? Again, for you will see the A, B, C, D at the bottom of the participant list there. And once we have most people's answers, we will publish the results. Rachel, what do you think we're going to see on this? Well, I think, um, and I, I, I maybe I'm betraying my own personal view, but I think it's going to be B. As well, because we've got an audience of teachers here, but also because um, I don't think an incompetent or mediocre teacher can do anything, even if they have the best technology in the world. I mean, that's you know, mm -hmm. I think most people who've been in classroom probably feel that way. Well, let's publish the results here. Oh, look, you're absolutely right. Um, it's it's a complicated issue, and I, I'm sure it's also hard to um, sort of summarize the issue in in three statements. Um, so I, we definitely appreciate that that people are able to make that leap. Um, do we have time for one more video? Um, this one is very interesting. Let's see here. We will go to talking about the new digital divide. And I know you've got some comments on this one as well, Rachel. Is there anything you need to say to set this one up? Or um, should we watch it first? No, I think we should just watch it. It pretty much speaks for itself. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to touch right. it. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we're still loading it here. It's not that long of a clip, I don't believe. Also, um, you'll notice that each of these video screens that I've loaded up have a comments area. And I think this is um, one of the points that Rachel was trying to make in terms of really being able to give feedback here. On these pages, um, if you, if, I'll show you. Um, one more link that shows sort of where how these are laid out on the site. Um, the there are many places for you to give your comments. Yes, I can't encourage you guys enough. I and mean, we we read all of these comments personally, and it really informs how we're producing the film and the decisions we're making about what to focus on. And um, it's really valuable. Um, so, and and I think it's also an opportunity to create a, a really interesting conversation. Um, I, Let's hear now from the Secretary of Education. I think this is a very high definition uh, clip, so for those of you, it, it may take a little longer to load, but we will keep it up. And we'll do the show of happy faces again when you have finished. 
viewing the clip. I posted the links to these. We definitely encourage you to go back and when you have some time, take a look at the clips. There are many, many more and many that are completely in contradiction with each other. So it's kind of interesting to, to see all the different viewpoints. So the links to those videos are there um, and it's uh, a, a way to um, comment on these and I'll, I'll show you one more piece as well. Um, so, so Rachel, what's um, let's have a let's have a show of smiley faces for everyone who's seeing it. I know it may be buffering at different rates for people. You may just need to go ahead because for this one in particular, it seems like it was really slow for from for buffering, right? Oh yeah, very few people have seen it. Mm -hmm. Again, I just wanted to point out the uh, comment video, which is one place. So, um, actually, before we go to um, the Q and A, I wanted to let's see here. Um, I wanted to show one more page um, just so that people understand where the um, where the learning section of the site lives and can can browse that because I think it's a it's a very important uh, place. So under the digital nation, you'll have the top tabs here, one of which is learning. And you can see on any one page, if you scroll down, there's just a, a plethora of these video clips, and they're they're so insightful from uh, many different people from many different perspectives. And under learning, you've got um, information about concentration, games, literacy, and and uh, schools. The other thing is, if you click on your stories um, to the right of learning, there, if you click on your stories. You'll see that these are um, uploaded videos, and on the left-hand nav, under you'll see recent stories, family, and then learning. And that's a very um, exciting uh, place as well, where teachers have uploaded video comments themselves, and um, it's it's very interesting to to hear the different perspectives. So. I think at this point, um, I think everyone's anxious to uh, have some questions um, directly for Rachel, and um, we've been gathering a few. Um, also, I just want to uh, point out that uh, if, if we don't have time tonight, we have so many people and so many points of view that I have set up a discussion area uh, on our teacher's website for people to carry on the discussion offline if they so choose. Um, and that is at this link here. Um, so I think I've got a couple uh, that I've gathered um, along the way. I think that 
Um, Steve, you may have some additional questions for Rachel as well. Um, again, use, please use the, the chat area to post your questions. Um, with 216 people on the line, I don't think we're going to be able to manage um, people calling in through the phone uh, to ask questions. But you can raise your hand to um, grab the microphone. I think microphone. the main comment I've been getting. Go ahead. Yeah. And we have someone, um, and that uh, is Ashley. Ashley Briggs out there has a question. Ashley, to turn your microphone on, there you go. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Um, I can hear you, Ashley. Okay, I'm doing some research on Web 2.0 access in schools and how it's restricted in a lot of schools. I was just curious if anyone had any input on what schools are doing to increase that access to make Web 2.0 and other digital resources more available. Oops, hello? I think I just lost. Uh-oh. Oh, there she is again. <clears throat> It sounds like it's a question for the group. Did you, Rachel, see anything specifically in, so far uh, in your work where you really felt like a um, really strong example of how to implement Web 2.0 schools? Well, I think the, the video clip that we just watched um, using Ning, um, I thought was a great example of how that can work. Um, it's um, it's, a, it's a great idea to, to take a book and have kids use a social networking site um, to really inhabit their characters. Um, so that, um, and blogging, um, <coughs> my, my son's school, um, he, he blogs and other kids respond and it's just a wonderful opportunity to give kids a, a, a controlled audience um, which I think really changes the way they view self-expression. Rachel, you also didn't get the comment on the Secretary of Education's clip. Did you want to say anything about that? Um, I just wanted to say that I think you know this, this whole issue of the digital divide is, is really complex, and I'm not sure that I I fully have a handle on it because it feels like it's a constantly moving target. But the thing that has rung the truest to me, which I don't think uh, the Secretary of Education said in that clip, but I think he says in another clip that's up on the site somewhere, is just that. Mentorship, in some ways, is a new digital divide, um, or lack of mentorship, and that, and that just having access to technology, it, it really doesn't solve the issue of how a kid learns to use technology. And, and you can find evidence out there that kids who have help and who have mentors um, have a huge leg up when it comes to, um, to, to the digital divide. One of my favorite uh, of clips on that site is the one of Abigail describing Kindle clicking. I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> um, and then listening Abby's to Abby's an old friend of mine. So. <laughs> Are there other clips like Glad that where you that. feel like um, they sort of, through humor, kind of reach a, a truth point? <laughs> Um, yes, I think there are plenty of them, and certainly in the program, I think there'll be there'll be more. Um, actually, Abby and I have a whole scene in the program together where we kind of commiserate about how unable we are to restrain ourselves from checking our email all the time. So um, there's quite a bit of that. Um, I can't think off the top of my head of uh, oh well, I know one to point you guys to um, in relationships. Um, one of the videos we did was um, a video with an 83-year-old grandmother who calls herself Bubby and her grandson, Avram, who have an online cooking show together. And um, <laughs> this cooking show is called Feed Me Bubby and it's been a huge runaway hit. And Bubby, at the age of 83, has become you know, a Twitterer and a, I don't know if she's a Twitterer or a tweeter, but she's, but she's become completely internet savvy and it's really opened up her life. And it's, I think it's a very funny and heartwarming clip. Um, that has a, a much more serious message, which is that you know it it can be such an incredible connector um, to people of all ages. Um, so I encourage you to look at that one. You you had started to say that you had some questions in the chat. Did you want? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say we've certainly had quite a few comments of people who are looking forward to um, the program, um, and uh, let me just that information up as well. The, um, 
the broadcast premieres on February 2nd. And um, also a few questions about, oops, sorry, about um, uh, your, in your early discussion, you talked about a school um, that you took part in uh, that was highly for digital learning and kids. And uh, there were several people who wanted to know what the name of that school is. Yes, the film is called, I mean, sorry, the, the, the school is called Quest to Learn, and you can Google it. Um, it was created by Katie Salen, S-E-L-E-N, who's a theorist. She really is in the sort of world of Henry Jenkins and people like that who are really looking at gaming and education and the use of gaming and education. And she just put her money where her mouth is and, and started a school. Um, and uh, it, it, I think the organization that she runs is called the Institute of Play, and they sort of sponsor um, Quest to Learn. <clears throat> Thank you. And there will be a video. We, were, we just did some filming in the school recently, and um, we're planning to include it in the documentary. And hopefully, at some point, we'll post some of the original footage we shot at the school. We haven't had a chance to do that yet. Okay. And Teresa, have you had a chance to ask your question? No. Is that can Teresa on? Yes. Yes. You can hear me. I can, I can hear you. you. Yes, I okay. can hear you. Okay. Go ahead and yeah. Okay, my question was, um, do you see a, there's a, a difference between the challenges between a student or um, uh, the, the child with multitasking and attention or um, adoption with parents and educators, that there's a bigger challenge one way, one's winning and one's, um, I guess, one's stronger than you the mean, other. Are, is there a generational difference? Well, there's obviously Younger a generation and are they better difference. But I mean, do you see one as a stronger problem over the other? That there's a bigger problem um, with multitasking no, and attention? I don't. I don't. Right. I, I think that the biggest difference is our attitude about it. I think we're all kind of struggling with this, with this in one way or another. Um, but I would say that younger people don't necessarily see it as an issue. That's just the way they grew up. And so they're perfectly prepared to accept it as the, the way they're going to live their lives. Whereas I feel like people my age and older um, you know, are, are wrestling with it a bit more. Um, whether or not we like it, I think we're just aware that it's a different way of doing things. Um, so that's the biggest difference that I see. I think we're all multitasking furiously all the time. I, I know there are several people who have um, uh, confessed to doing so during our webinar. Yes, so. not at all surprised. It's hard to resist. It's really hard to resist. So do you, do you see it as something um, that will go yeah, away in the we'll next 20, 20 years as we grow in this space? I do think we're going to. I, yeah, I think it's a really good question. Um, I actually have started to believe that we are going to reach a kind of critical mass um, where people start to back off a little bit from some of this. Um, I think you know I've heard from so many people that they feel like they have a disease, they feel like they have an addiction. You know, they use these words that are very negative. Um, and I think part of it is that we all feel like we can't drop a stitch. You know, if we don't respond to every email, if we don't multitask, we're gonna we're gonna fall behind in some way. And I guess I would say I'm 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 curious about whether we hit a point where um, we all collectively decide to just take a deep breath and kind of slow down a bit. Um, the premium on constant response and constant connectivity gets actually decreases. So I was just making a, a couple of questions that were. Uh, uh, go ahead, Steve. I was just making a comment in the chat. It seems like Rachel, uh, there are different I, kinds of multitasking. There's the multitasking that we do when we take notes that kind of allows us to concentrate in a different way, and and, and maybe looking something uh -huh. up related to the topic. And then there's the multitasking. Of tuning out, and 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 maybe like television, this becomes a reality of our world. Some of it positive, some of it negative. That we have to then start teaching sort of the different nuances of how you pay attention. I think that's a great point. Um, you know, so so many of these things can be taught um, and should be taught. Frankly, I mean, this is a reality of our world, and a lot of the reason I think multitasking is a problem is because we're the, the technology is controlling us. We're not controlling it. 
Um, and I've had this conversation with lots of people where they say, you know, whatever it is, if it interrupts me, it, it's more important, and I feel like I have to, I have to respond to it. And that idea that we're, we're slaves to the interruption as opposed to sort of controlling interruptions and scheduling interruptions, I think is a really valuable thing to teach kids, and they should be learning it, you know, before they get online. So I'm completely with you. I think that there are um, there are a couple of different ways we can go. Right now, multitasking is almost two dimensional. We go from you know a, a very high level task um, to another very high level task, and and I'm wondering if what we're going to do instead of just going to more and more different tasks, being able to go deeper and deeper into those tasks, um, so that it's almost three dimensional, where um, you know, instead of uh, just doing a quick thing here and a quick thing there, we're really diving deeper, um, and that that part of our brain is starting to develop a little more too. Mm -hmm. I think that is definitely worth thinking about. If anything's getting sacrificed, it's definitely that. Rachel, we've talked about the. Um, I have a couple. Go of, ahead, Beth. Um, no, go. Please go. Oh, okay. I just. I had a couple of um, non-multitasking uh, that are, have come up as well. Um, I think a couple of people wanted to know where you came from in terms of you know your interest in doing films about youth and digital media, and um, you know what did you start out doing something else? Did this come very natural to you, and and uh, so how you got into this? Uh -huh. Well, I've always been interested in sort of contemporary American society, I would say. Um, and before I had children, I did films um, definitely that, that related to other issues, um, <laughs> the health care and the stock market and um, a whole host of other things. But they all tended to have in common that they were, they were sort of inquiries into cultural forces, uh, contemporary cultural forces. Um, and then I guess when I had children, um, I wasn't aware of this at the time, but I definitely started being drawn to uh, subjects that touched um, on growing up and issues around growing up. I have made, uh, in the last 10 years since I started having kids, or 12 years since I started having kids, I've definitely made films completely unrelated um, to this. But it definitely seems to be a trend when I look at the films that I've done over the last 11 or 12 years, that more, more of them than not um, do relate to, to growing up. I think it's being a parent. Mm -hmm. And then I got one question, which is interesting. Something we haven't talked about, which is cyberbullying and and how um, how we're having to deal with that in the classroom, where we do try to introduce technology and um, some of the social media. Well, have you had any experience with that? Yeah, I actually, in growing up online, my last film, we we looked. Um, squarely at cyberbullying and actually told a really tragic story, um, which is actually up on the site. A lot of the material from that film is up on the Digital Nation site, so you can watch it. Um, and uh, this is a story about a seventh grade boy who committed suicide after a really horrendous um, episode of cyberbullying. So um, I do I do I think about it quite a bit. Um, you know, I think again it's about education, like most of these issues. We one of the things we did when we were filming this project is we went to South Korea where um, you know it's a very advanced digital society that's kind of moved very quickly um, and universally um, into into you know completely universal broadband access and so they've had to deal with a lot of problems um, very quickly and one of the issues that they that they've dealt with is cyberbullying and they have classes for kids starting in like second grade called netiquette you know where they teach them about how to talk to each other online and how to behave online and and you know it's been Kind of pet peeve of mine since growing up online that this isn't this isn't universally taught in American classrooms and that you know in elementary school we're not talking about this stuff and we often don't start talking about it until it's too late and kids are not really listening to us anymore. It feels like basic civics to me, like you know it should be as as basic as teaching kids to cross the street, you know, teaching them um, etiquette. Here's an interesting question for you: Which is more, which has more of an impact? Is it bandwidth or literacy a bigger issue for getting, especially you know, rural students? Um, I'm not sure I understand that question. Can you repeat is, it? Yeah. Is the digital is, is there a digital divide that has to do with 
media literacy and, and internet literacy. And then there's a digital divide that has to do with just bandwidth and uh-huh. people having that access. Access. Yeah, well, that's sort of what I was getting at earlier when I talked about mentoring. I think um, just pure access certainly is an issue, but I would I would guess that it's less of an issue today than uh, the issue of, of what you're calling literacy or mentorship, of really learning how to use the net responsibly, appropriately, creatively. Um, you know, you can put a computer in front of a kid, but that doesn't mean that they're going to really know how to use it right. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that's not to say that there aren't lots and lots of people who don't have access to technology and should, but um, you know, kids the kids find it. They go to friends' houses, they go to cousins' houses, they go to the library, you know, they, they seek it out. Um, but they often don't have anybody to help them. Um, Navigate it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say I saw uh, it flew by a, co- a question about Doug Rushkoff, and I do want to mention him because I haven't in this um, session. Doug Rushkoff is my co-correspondent on this film. Doug is a, a really brilliant media theorist um, who's written ten books on culture and technology and society, and he has been the correspondent on two of my other programs for Frontline, and he is also a correspondent on this one. And he brings a really different perspective than I do. Um, to the topic, and I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we kind of play off each other um, in the film. That's great, thank you. Well, I think we're we're getting down to the to the wire here, and um, I I just want to thank everyone for joining us and and having this discussion. Um, Rachel, especially you, I know you're very busy. Thank um, you so much. It's great to see <laughs> so many people turn out for this. Yes, and I also just wanted to remind people that you know the, the uh, conversation can can certainly continue on our uh, discussion boards, um, and I have a, a few uh, things I want to make sure people are aware of. In that we have uh, upcoming webinars in January. We're going to be talking about STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math, um, and that will be a January. We definitely want you to in, in, uh, join us for that. And then we've got a, a new uh, show coming up called Faces of America. And February will be um, the, the uh, date for that. Now, what I do want to do is give you the URL for all of our upcoming webinars. And you can keep um, in chat. Uh, there it is in the chat window. You can keep in touch with. As we're definitely in planning season, we have lots of hot topics coming up. And I should just mention that my husband is actually the senior producer of Faces of America, so I'm going to put in a plug for that one too. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I also again want to thank um, Steve and uh, our partners at Illuminate. And uh, this is the platform that you've been using, and, and the ability to raise your hand and chat and, and talk back and forth with our guests. Um, we certainly appreciate that support. And uh, also uh, want to invite people to look at uh, both PBS Teachers and Classroom 2.0, um, and again, our upcoming webinar. For those of you who uh, need to get a confirmation letter. So I don't know what happened there, but it sounds like we lost Bev's audio. So she's saying, if you need to get a yeah. confirmation letter, please. Uh, uh, you'll, when, when the browser closes or when the session closes, the browser will pop up with a survey and let us know in that. Um, we never did get to clap for Rachel, so I'm going to click on my clapping hand here. And, and I hope you'll do the same. What, what a great privilege to have you on the show. And let's do a final push to get educators to contribute to the site. So right, we want educators to go to Digital Nation and make contributions. And I'm going to make a personal commitment tonight. I will upload a video about my vitiligo friends. Wow, I thank promised you, Sandy I would do yeah, forever. Please make contributions. <laughs> and if you don't want to make videos, if you guys don't want to make videos, there are lots of opportunities to comment um, on on. You know, videos on the site and on uh, on other pieces. So please do make this a conversation.
So Rachel, what a delight. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for coming. Uh, the recordings will be up within a day. Really appreciate your being here. Um, have a great night. And thanks again, Rachel. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Good night.